Well, Dr. Spanger, we're, we're going to get into uh, another installation here of uh, installment of uh, what's going on with the divisions in the church. Mm. Um, we've talked so far just about since the, the election, I think the stuff has really come out uh, more so yeah. before the leading up to the election. Uh, we talked about on the one hand, we, we've seen a lot of Christians uh, in the white church, mm. uh, white evangelical church, where Trumpism, uh, was it was a really difficult thing that a lot of people have gone that way uh, some churches are divided over uh, not just Trumpism but on Trumpism on the one hand and people embracing critical race theory right. in, in, an uncri in an uncritical way yeah. uh, not kind of parsing it out um, this week a lot of stuff hit the news uh, in this in this very area uh, another pastor African-American pastor named Reverend McKissick has uh, taken his congregation out of the Southern Baptist mm. Convention. Uh, recently, a couple weeks ago, the Southern Baptist Convention came out with a statement. Uh, six seminary professor or seminary presidents signed it that, you know, that critical race theory and intersectionality mm. are antithetical to mm. the gospel. Uh, a number of African-American pastors were offended by that. Yeah. One, because they weren't really brought to the table right. <laughs> to be part of the discussion. Right. Um, and so we're starting to see this divide in this area over how African-American Christians understand critical race theory versus how some white Christians understand critical right. race theory. Um, a couple weeks ago, there was an interesting article by Carl Truman, who is a professor at Grove City uh, College. He's hmm. formerly at Westminster Seminary, uh, critiquing critical race theory and evangelicals for embracing it. Hmm. Um, yesterday, a story popped up in Near Orthodoxy uh, by Anthony Bradley, mm. another Reformed, actually studied with Carl Truman mm. at Westminster, uh, and arguing as a Reformed PCA Presbyterian who mm. subscribes to the Westminster Confession uh, that CRT is not scary to us, mm. that Christians should be able to, as he says it in his words, chew the meat and spit out the bones. Mm. Um, and so this is the tension I think we're seeing in the church. And of right. course, a lot of this conversation is happening on social media. That's making it better. It's not making it better. Yeah. <laughs> that'll solve it. Um, that, I think that's actually Twitter, a big Twitter part will get it, it done. Yeah, they... I think it's a big part of it. Um, I, there's a part of me in my, maybe my middle child syndrome <laughs> that would love to just get all these people in the room. Mics off. <laughs> no one leave your cell phone at the door. Right. There's no tweeting, right. and we're just going to talk about this right. as brothers in Christ and work through this. Yeah. Um, a conventional model, right? Mm -hmm. No one, no one takes notes. No one's allowed to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And we might even have to hire chaperones <laughs> so they don't talk at the pub afterwards like they had to do with Franklin. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and then of course, Reverend McKissick receives this just inflammatory racist oh, no. letter. Uh, in response to him taking his church out of the SBC. And so we wanted to talk about critical race theory from as a historical perspective. Mm. Uh, in all uh, transparency, we are two middle-aged white guys having this conversation. Uh, we have Full read disclosure. a lot about it. We have talked to a number of people about it. Um, we've listened to sermons and series and podcasts. Um, there's a lot of division over how to define these terms. Yeah. I mean, we're now at a point, I think, in our culture, Dr. Spanger, where we can't even dis we can't even agree on what racism means. Right, right. And so we want to talk about this, and what we intend to do with this is we're going to record this uh, session. 
Uh, we're going to post it in our blog or in our podcast, but then we're also going to put together a blog entry. Uh, we're not going to comment on it. It's not more <laughs> midrash, but rather it's going to be a list of resources right. that we've used that you then, the listener, can go and kind of ferret out some of this. And we fully intend to bring in some of our friends and colleagues who may have thought even more deeply about yeah. these issues than we have to provide ourselves one helping us process this moment, right. but also our listeners process the moment. Yeah, and I think it's important that, that what we're what we're attempting is that this this recording is actually part of a dialogue going on outside the recording on, on campus where we both teach yeah. among our friends even in our church that we're trying to make sure all the sides have a chance to explain what the heck is going on, why do they see it the way they see it, um, and the fact that we talked about the right side and some of those traditions and now. We may need to interview people from both sides of that, too, to help better yeah. understand. So historically and culturally, why, why do you reject CRT the way you do? Why do you ex accept some of these things? Because there's reasons under there. Why, why do you accept CRT? What, what, what are you after? So I think what we're trying to do today is just frame it again and then bring some people in, as Mark said, to try to get a deeper dive into why people are thinking this way. And I think, yeah. I think we have a, a handle on it that's historically informed. Like historians, it's best if it happened 100 years ago, so the last two, three months are going to be really hard for us to untangle, but yes. but at least to approach it and put it in a framework, I think is what we're shooting and, for. And I don't think we're going to, I don't think the historians are going to do much justice to the current movement for another hundred years. That's right. I mean, yeah. honestly, no, I think that's right? true. Yeah. I think it's, it's going to take that kind of time right. for them to be able to work through some of this. Right. And, and also, we don't know where this is all going to lead. That's right. Um, that's, that's one of the things that in history we can kind of, see the beginning and the end. That's right. Where. And when you can't, it's really hard and when to understand. when you can't, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And but we can look back. We can kind of look to see where uh, some of this develops. So... Let me ask you then, Dr. Draper. Yeah. What, why is... Why is and, and whether you want to tackle this as critical theory itself or critical mm -hmm. race theory, why is this on the left side of the spectrum? Why does the left side and, and critical theory, why do these two things belong together? Because that's what seems to be happening now, is that you've got this very hard right-wing response, whether it's theological conservatives, yeah. socially conservatives, cultural conservatives, very concerned. We can talk about the divide between them, but why does this end up on the, on the left side? Maybe, maybe a way to, to, to answer that would be to provide a definition yeah, okay. of critical race theory from people who subscribe to critical race theory. Uh, this is a definition from the book entitled Critical Race Theory and Introduction. <laughs> Therefore authoritative. Uh, Richard Delgado, right. Gene uh, Stefanik, and we will post a link to this book as well. And, and I think their definition might help us with this. And, and their definition of critical race theory is thus. It is a movement, is a collection of activists and scholars engaged in studying and transforming the relationship among race, racism, and power. The movement considers many of the same issues that conventional civil rights and ethnic studies discourses take up, but places them in a broader perspective that includes economics, history, setting, group, and self-interest, and emotions, and the unconscious. Unlike traditional civil rights discourse, which stresses incrementalism and step-by-step -step progress, critical race theory questions the very foundations of the liberal order. Mm -hmm including equality theory, legal reasoning, enlightenment rationalism, and neutral principles of constitutional law. And so I think what that says, and in fact the other, even the book Cynical Theories actually helps mm -hmm. get at some of this as well, there seems to be a divide mm. amongst what we'll call the political left mm. in America between, say, the what we might call classic enlightenment liberals. Okay. 
right? The people who, and we talked about this in another podcast, people who, you know, still breathe deeply at Sarah Jefferson and <laughs> right. Kant and Rousseau and, and, uh, Locke. and Locke, exactly. Where cr this definition is more in line with the Frankfurt School, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where you're really saying even the Enlightenment itself is now up for question. Mm. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's in some ways it's further left than what John F. Kennedy left would have been. Right? <laughs> right. It's, it's for, and, and I think that's part of been the tension in our politics right now. We're seeing this currently, where on one hand our our left party mm. and and. I've noticed we do have listeners around the globe, so um, we've had people from Brussels and England listening, so that's pretty cool, uh, since we're on Spotify now. That's right, that's right, global national, global national plug, platform, plug, global platform. Uh, but if you've gotten this far, you've already known that probably. <laughs> so, but, so there's this tension amongst leftism and right in the right in America right now. You, you have sort of the, the, the Republican Party seems to be at a civil war between the extreme right, right? right? QAnon conspiracy theory, right. right? And people like Mitch McConnell, who are trying to be more of a cent... I don't know if I would use centers, yeah. but now he's in the center. <laughs> Comparatively right? speaking. Comparatively, right. And then even on the left, even on our Democratic Party, you have sort of the AOCs and Bernie Sanders uh, and the more left-wing of the party and all the way to more moderate yeah. uh, left. And so that, that I think that's why it sort of sits itself on the critical race theory sits itself on the left. Um, the other piece is historically in America, I think anything that has anything remotely to do with the term Marxism mm. automatically goes to the left. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, it's 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 sort of like if you're extreme right in this country, you're a fascist. <laughs> right, and right. you know, you hang out with Nazis, <laughs> and if you're on the left, you hang out with uh, in Lennon Stalingrad, and Lenin, right. Stalin, and Marx. Exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, does that answer? Yeah, the I question? think it does. And I, I, I think they, as you, as we're talking in the church, because the church isn't necessarily politically left and right on this. Although Trump, I think, was very divisive that way. He brought, as the way that the silent majority in the 1980s brought politics down into the church, in a really profound way. So this Trump for positive and negative has brought, you know, politics down into the church. And there's this idea somehow that on the on the right that um, structure, the way society is put together, traditions are our best hope. And even if there's not equity and all of that still, we have some habits we need to hold. Constitutionalism and, you know, um, you know, republic, you know, democratic government, that kind of thing. Where the left tends to look at the, you know, the equity, the equality of society and say, well, we're not, all those processes and traditions are great, but we still are in a place where people don't have enough. Please go back to economic issues. They're still poor. So I, I respect that we have this constitutional system, but it's not working. Yeah. So the right would say it is working because we're still upholding the, the legal framework. They say it's not working because the outcomes are not where they need to be. Yes, yes. Um, and, and so while I, I, I think what we're trying to do in our discussions is say both sides have legitimate concerns yeah. where the critical theory seems to be scratching an itch long, long ignored is that if you look at something you said to me before we got on here, that you look at the facts of our society and there is not even basic equity on some matters. Well, and this this actually leads into a, our, our another piece of this. So, for instance, um, Carl Truman, we mentioned, wrote an article in First Things. Again, we'll post that, um, where he makes a statement that this claim of, of systematic systemic racism, injustice, it's not provable, hmm. right? It's not quantifiable hmm. uh, in some way. And, of course, um, 
there's a, res a great response, an interesting response on Christianity Today to Carl's article mm. by another scholar who then points to, well, what do we do with mass incarceration? What do we do with poverty? What do we do with mm. the fact that uh, a, a, a statistically an African-American male has a more likely chance to go to prison in America <laughs> than become a CEO of a company? Right. Is that a not enough proof, right? And so yeah. that's, that's part of this that makes this debate difficult, right? right? right. Because... Some of it is antidotal, some of it seems qualitative, right. um, and maybe doesn't come out as quantifiable as right. people want to, to hear. But then again, I think part of the problem is when we start talking about the word racism, right? It's so nebulous right, right. now. What does it mean? Yeah. It might have almost been easier to identify a racist in the 1950s <laughs> than it is in 2021 yeah. Yeah. because you have more cover. Right today than yeah. in the 50s. Well, that's true, too. And I think, yeah, I think that's helpful to hear, to hear yeah, how Truman is defining it, um, looking for the quanti quantitative measures that I think would be more conventional in this country, as in, I see the process works, you have, you know, I think this goes to the, to the left-right divide sometimes, and why these things, when they filter down the church, become so confusing, is because the right as a political organ has always had this view that it's the, it's the construct of society that's our best hope. And so you need free market, you need constitutional law, and all these things protect us. And if the outcome doesn't work, okay, you could try harder, work harder, you know, maybe get a better education. So there's a lot of individual responsibility. And then the, the, the left side politically has always seen that as a bit of a hedge. Like, that's your lie because some people never get ahead. So obviously the system is bent against them. Yeah, so we need yeah. to alter income, uh, you know, how we tax income or, in, you know, alter how we get education, who gets education. So there's almost this sense on, on the left that the outcome itself is the statistic yes. necessary to show yes. the system is broken. Where on the right they go, yeah, but the system is the freest thing we've ever had, and it's given us the it's created the most mobility historically. We have blacks coming out yes. of slavery that actually do well now. So one trusts the system, yeah. and the other one looks at the outcomes and says it's not working. And so this you already brought up structural racism, and I think this is where this becomes so poignant in the in the religious conversation because then we can say. Let's look at what loving neighbor looks like. Why do we have, in a system supposedly free, an arrangement where we have so many African Americans that are struggling, yeah. oppressed in bad communities, prison, um, treated poorly by police, all of these sorts of things. So then you ask the religious question, how do we create a loving community, a beloved community that, that King talked about, yeah, yeah. when these are the outcomes? Right. So, so and, and I think this goes to that point of, and I think you've, hint, you've already hinted at this, that the critical theory the way that it's being used now has a has a multi-layered approach. Some people who understand the theory that you read it, yeah. that's what they're promoting, they get it, they yeah. want to study neo-Marxism. Other people are just saying, I'm finally looking at the statistics and saying, that's an indication that they're on something's something. not working. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think even the founders of Black Lives Matter uh, are, are self-identified Marxists. Right. They, they identify that. They we're not adding, no one's brandishing them that with that term. Yeah, that's it, they've got it. Um, and because that is part of the problem here too, um, that it's very easy to dismiss something yeah. you're not interested in engaging by saying it's Marxist, it's this, it's that, right. or it's fascist. It's right, this, right, right. I mean, it's, right. it, it can come both ways. ways. And and I go back to your point about social media. Twitter just makes it that easy, right? Right, because right. you just put in you know CRT equals Marxism, and that's hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. And you're done. Right. Right. There's right. no debate. There's right. no conversation. No nuance. No understanding. Exactly. And so, um, 
So that that becomes part of it. And I think what Carl, I'll, I'll read Carl's statement. Oh, good, yeah. yeah. See, critical race theory, like other critical theories, mm -hmm. post-colonialism or queer theory, for example, is self-centering. Its basic claims, for example, that racism is systemic or that being non-racist is impossible are not conclusions drawn from arguments. They are axioms and they cannot be challenged by those who do not agree with them. Those who dissent or offer criticism are by definition part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where that's where Carl's coming at almost a very and I think, you know, I don't know where Carl is politically, but you know, he, I think he's more Tory than he is Labour. <laughs> right, let's put it that way, safer. So, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and I think we talked about this before, that in, in one of the books we've, been, we've both been talking about, I, I'm about halfway through it right now, is Why Liberalism Failed. Yeah, yeah, um, Deenan. Deenan, interesting uh, thesis. But what he kind of shows is that really what we call political right and political left are all part of the Enlightenment liberalism. Yeah. They just talk differently. Yeah. But they're all really part of the same thing, and in many ways have similar aspirations yeah. and goals. Yeah, that's right. And, and so it's ironic to me that here is somebody who sounds like from the right critiquing conservatism and liberalism and the Enlightenment, but then we also have now critical race theory and critical theory attacking the Enlightenment. That's right. All of a sudden, Nietzsche's the genius. <laughs> yeah, right. And so it's, it's, it, it becomes a very interesting uh, dynamic that we're seeing here, that every, we're, we're looking at this and saying, does this even work? Yeah. Uh, and I think we're at a pivot point, culturally, socially, not right. just the Western world, but globally. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, so let, let's, let's get into this a little bit. Um, we, we've defined how critical race theory... Uh, from, say, uh, people who are not identifying as Christians, per se. Right, right. Um, but we do have this case where the Southern Baptist Convention came out with this statement. Uh, and a number of African-American Christians, Orthodox, Reformed, you know, they, they're mm -hmm. Baptists, they're, they were part of the SBC, uh, are, are leaving. Mm -hmm. A number of churches are leaving. And when when you listen to african-american some african-american brothers and sisters talk about critical race theory yeah. i don't think that's the definition right. they would give me right in fact i know it's not right and what they're saying is more it's a tool yeah it's a tool to reveal how systemic racism works yeah. uh a perfect tool no but it is a tool in the toolbox right why are you throwing out the tool that that's sort of the question right um and, and that's that's where I think this debate is. is. You yeah, know, so yeah. you have um, you have some people who are kind of evangelical Christians, and I almost feel like that's where Carl's really going after, yeah. that are uncritically taking on critical race theory sure. without understanding what we historians understand about the history. Right. But then again, maybe we also are simplifying the history because when critical race theory people talk about it, like in this book, they also say, yes, we are influenced by Derrida and Foucault, but we're also influenced by Martin Luther King and Frederick Douglass and Sojourner Truth. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, we, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I, think that, I think the history, the thing about critical race theory is it's, the, it's, a, late, it's a late iteration of, um, of, a, of an analysis that's been, that's been old, 
Like, I mean, it's nothing new that, that society is structured in such a way that it keeps some people down for whatever reason. You could look at the way that women were treated, you know, they didn't have the right to own, you know, property on their own without their husbands or fathers right. up through the 19th century. That's going to impact the way that women in the next generation function. It's nothing new in that regard. And I think here it's important, as, you, as you're saying, it's important to contextualize this and not, not to minimize what critical theory itself is a framework. And I think we ought to get to that at some point. We will. You've already had us down that road. Critical theory as a framework itself is based on a, a materialist, you know, well, let's, um, go down, let's go down the framework then. Okay, let's, all right. Let's go there. Because, I, I, yeah, and I, and I think we have to come back to then what's it saying. So that's a, that's a good route. Yeah. In. And I, I think for a lot of people, and, the, and it, the popularizations of critical theory, I think, are, are poor on, on all sides, it seems to be. That critical theory was a, was a genuine I in application. And you're, you are differentiating critical race theory from, say, Frankfurt School critical theory at this point. Well, yes, and I, I would say one would do that only because critical race theory is making use of critical theory Correct. for a specific purpose. Or and at then, least aspects of it. Aspects of it, right. But the, the, I think the framework, and this is where like the SBC and I think others um, and Truman are getting at, is you can't divorce CRT from CT. Yeah, right. Right, um, in one sense. Not Christianity today. <laughs> Sorry, critical, <laughs> critical theory, theory right. right. Well, maybe you should divorce yeah, CT yeah. from CT. But, but the idea of critical theory as a, as a neo-Marxist, that the framework for Marx, and I think, this, I think the quote that comes out of the Communist Manifesto that matters the most here is that your consciousness is entirely determined by what we called your mode of production, right? Yeah. So by consciousness, he means your religious views, your moral views. Think for a minute when you say, I think lying is wrong, that what you're probably saying in your head or assuming is that there's this something called right and wrong, and it's an absolute, and I'm trying to align with that absolute standard. And I'm saying lying is not against my preference, yeah. it's against the universal good called telling the truth. What Marx actually is uttering, which is so crazy in its day, was that when I say lying is bad, all I'm telling you is the way I was trained to think. Yes. I was constructed by my society and my bourgeois values. So if you actually can go to that radical level of thinking, you look at around everyone that has religious and moral views, and you say, you only have that because you were raised at a time when someone called that bad. Right. Like, you say lying is bad and I say blue is nice. Yeah. There's no difference. So Marx took that whole framework, that whole belief, and he put it inside what he called an economic framework, mode of production. What the Frankfurt School, Vienna Circle did, Wittgenstein following and all that, was took Marx's idea and said, actually, economics is not as um, uh, determinative as are the cultural environment. Right. The way the language you use, um, the um, art, the, art, the hemisphere politics. you grew up in, the culture, the, the entertainment. all so. They didn't say the economics. They looked at culture itself as this determinative value system. And here's the, here's the line. I think this is Jürgen Habermas. But the point to critical theory is everything about a person is entirely structured by the society in which they find themselves. It's absolutely 100% materialist. Absolutely 100%. It, it's yeah. take, take Darwinism and biolo biolo biological development happens inside the environment, yeah. forces you know, gene and survival and all of this. And just take that to be culture. So I believe certain things because my society has catechized me to right. believe this, and there's nothing else. And there's nothing else. There's there's nothing um, transcendent. Correct. That's which it. Which is beyond or above, right? Right. right. And, and you almost it seems to you almost have to um, you have to play you almost have to talk out of both sides of your mouth because if you <laughs> right. say, you do because if you're well, going to say too, let's be fair absolutely yeah. and, and and I heard a Marx. Uh, scholar say this, right? It, <laughs> he would say that it's 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 wrong to say that 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 
that Marx didn't have some sort of transcendent idea. Because if you're saying this is wrong right. and this is right, you're using some sort of criteria then. That's right, right. So, it's, it, it's, so even that, you have to kind of like play fast and loose with your own theory. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit of circular reasoning there. Yeah. But the idea is, I think what you're getting at is for pure critical theory, pure Marxist critical theory, the only way to change anything is to change the society. That's it. By any means necessary. That's right. That's right. That's the only way well, you will get exactly. Yeah. And and the point being is any any value you would refer to say well I don't want to change the system because that would be let's say taking someone's private property or maybe even killing somebody is simply just to reinforce the idea that the social values of don't kill I'm I'm taking an extreme example or private property you're saying those are moral standards which yeah. themselves are constructs in society so yes. if you're really sincere about this there is no that means there's nothing that can stop you from making a social construct change. And I think that was in the definition you read there, that we have to do whatever it takes to say no, nothing is foundational anymore. It's all self-referential. The whole society refers to itself and controls it. So as soon as you say, and this is the, this is the part where I think this even goes another level deeper, for the person that actually claims what I'm saying is morally right is the worst kind of person because they're claiming that their cultural view is actually somehow transcendental. Oh, you can't yeah. touch that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now if I come up with a rule, you can't do have an abortion or something like that, you're claiming a moral standard which now reinforces, mm -hmm. by your claim, mm -hmm. the social construct, mm -hmm. which now doesn't allow the change you need to actually change the outcomes. And right. here's the other part of critical theory. And I think this goes back to the Frankfurt School, the study, New School for Social, uh, social Sciences, or New School for Social... Why can't I think of what it was called? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. in Colombia. Anyway, the point is, is to start evaluating the construct by evaluating the outcomes. Right. Let's do social statistics and find out that four out of five of this is of that person, the six out of... Those statistics now tell you what the structure actually is. Right. And you don't know it, you can't see it, it's a water you breathe, you think you've grown up with all these beliefs. Right. But the reality is the outcomes prove the character. Yes. The outcomes prove the quality of society. If the outcomes are this way, that means that's how the society is bent. And this has been going on since the 30s. Right, right. <laughs> now, right. now it comes to critical race theory, but I think to your point, now for someone to say, I believe what critical theory has shown me is a matter of fact the system is skewed. Yes. No one else is saying that. Right. And so for a lot of people to look and say critical race theory gave this whole, which, you know, for now, you know, almost 100 years, has given us a whole methodology for evaluating yeah. when the construct is biased and now you're telling me I have to throw that whole study out because it doesn't agree with your political theories or it's right. not individualistic enough right. or right. Right. becomes a bit of a problem for yeah. some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And that's, that's where we are. It's, it becomes very easy to just paint this as Marxist yeah. um, and, and move on. Yeah. Uh, but although, I mean, it seems like every time African Americans have raised their voice about inequality, they've been painted with either the socialist yeah. or Marxist brush. Yeah. Um, yeah, back in the that's Martin Luther King Jr. for heaven's sake. Before Edgar Hoover. Uh, you know, in the in the eighteen fifties, the Southern abolition the Southern pro slavery people were referring to the abolitionists as socialists. <laughs> right. Ropes Pierre uh, all over again. Yeah. And so right. And then you of course in the nineteen thirties you have that, Dr. King. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a world where I I was taught to believe Dr. King was a communist. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's just, that was almost like, well, yeah, that's how we got these ideas, that Mo Moscow trained him. Right, right. And, you know, it was longer that I had to read and find out, no, it was actually Reinhold Niebuhr. <laughs> yeah, and right. so um, that, 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 um, that becomes an easy shorthand. 
Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think that's part of why we're doing what we're doing. We want to have the conversation. Yeah. Not on Twitter. Right. <laughs> uh, while we might post the link to this on Twitter, <laughs> don't we're work, not going to have conversation the conversation on, on Twitter. It's right. not the place. Uh, social media is probably not really the place right, for right. this conversation right. to have. So, so we've got some of the historical background, and of course, critical race theory uh, borrows pieces from the yeah. Frankfurt School of Critical Theory, but it also really starts in the 60s and 70s That's amongst right. lawyers and yeah. looking at the legal system. Yeah. And, and are there systemic problems baked in to the legal system yeah. in America? Um, and that, and, that, and of course, it will develop over yeah. time, and and it will splinter, yeah. right? So critical race theory will birth uh, queer theory. You know, so aspects of queer theory yeah. will pick yeah. up on this. Aspects of feminist theory, Asian theory. You know, there's Asian liberation theory. I mean, it's at a point where these all sort of converge, yeah. uh, and they're all kind of pulling from this. The, the common denominator is that basically you can understand everything through the grid of oppressed and oppressor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's one of the pushbacks it's getting yeah. from people on the right, that that's too simplistic. Yeah. Um, I think, too, we talked about this in an earlier podcast, that the conservatives can do reform, hmm. but it's more Burkean. Hmm. It, it, it's very incremental. It's very yeah. slow. It's, it's, it, it takes a much longer time yeah. to do it. Um, and that, that could also be part of it yeah um we talked a little bit about this with the trump uh conversation uh some uh christians uh, african-american christians feel that the the rejection hmm. out out rejection of any sniff of black or critical race theory has more to do with white christians being married to some sort of christian nationalism yeah uh more than anything else yeah um I'm not sure that's completely wrong. I think we do have a Christian nationalism baked into American history. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, when we studied the Puritan, the, the Puritans and the, the Latter-day Edwardsians and exactly, the Reform yeah, movement, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's tied yeah, together. Yeah, it gets tied together. So, um, but I, I think what we need to move into is how are African American Christians using this? Yeah. And that's that's really what I've been fascinated by. And one of the, I heard a great story by Reverend McKissick, um, and, and he was being interviewed in this podcast, and he said, uh, Christians for millennia have borrowed mm. from non-Christian philosophies. Mm. And he mentions Plato and Aristotle, and mm. have used them without it taking the whole thing. Mm. Why, then, is taking parts of critical race theory and using it a problem right is it is it the is it the the worldview it's built on well, what do you think it is dr that's a, that's the intellectual a, yeah. historian well, that's a, yeah and, and i think you know platonism to be fair if we want to look at tertullian let's say um in the early church the the power of platonism in the roman culture and society was the whole culture the whole idea of Platonism and some of the implications really skewed for many Christians Roman society away from anything that would be considered even mildly Christian, which is why the Athens, what does Rome have to do with Athens problem comes up. And I think in America, similarly, there has been this notion that our constitutional republic and its freedoms and these sorts of things, political, social concepts, have really made Christianity possible, uh, made moral development possible. We live in a free society, and we've looked at the opposite extreme, Marxism, Communism, Socialism, 
World War One, World War Two, years following Russian Revolution, Chinese Revolution. You got to pack all of this in there. That those unwind the very things that make faith possible um, and a Christian society possible. So now the idea that you would welcome that evil in the back door because we have racial problems, and then and then invite directly into this community the very things that have led to the kind of destruction and slaughter we've seen in the 20th century. For many Americans that, and especially in the Christian church, have said that that's a bridge too far. Right. I understand you've got problems. I understand things haven't worked out for you. And I think this is a little SBC, which can get tied up in all this. I understand you don't like the way things have gone, but let's not, in order to solve that problem, take a poison. Sure. You got a bellyache, let's not take arsenic. Um, and and the, I think the black community looks at it and goes, we've taken arsenic mm. for 300 years. Mm. And so now when someone finally comes up and is willing to point out the problem, all of a sudden you've got values that are too high to deal with this. And you say, well, just you, you put those problems down for now. We need to maintain the republic as is. And so I think there's, especially in the Christian church, when you and you and I were talking about this before, the idea of what Christian love looks like for the, for the majority sort of mainline white churches, love looks like theological precision and keeps our doctrines pure. Right. And not, not screwing up on those things and letting atheism work. The caution, the flags are everywhere when you are off theologically. For African-American brothers and sisters, those are not the key elements of their faith. They're relationally, where's love? Where's the community? How are we showing love to one another? And so now you're going to fight tooth and nail for theological precision and tell us once again, hang on, once we get the theology right and hold it, all this other stuff will work out. And the African-American is saying, how come we have yet, after all of this time, have not been treated like equals and peers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's... That's something that um, when I teach about the American Civil War, Mark Knoll talks a lot about this book in his war, book, The Civil War Theological mm -hmm. Crisis. When you look at the North and South, you look at the Christians in North and South, in many ways they, they, they agreed on mere orthodoxy. Yeah. yeah. Right? It yeah. wasn't as if Dabney, uh, Earl Dabney, disagreed with the Trinity right. and the authority of Scripture. And had a different view of the authority of Scripture than, say, Lyman Beecher. Right. They both have a high view of the authority of Scripture. They both yeah. probably different views of the atonement. <laughs> uh, but a... still, there's a, there's some sort of there is a doctrine of the atonement. Um, and, and so you can have your orthodoxy mm -hmm. the same. Yet your orthopraxy, how you yeah. live it out, yeah. how you make that leap, looks very different. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and sometimes I wonder how much our culture is shaping our orthopraxy yeah, yeah. than our orthodoxy. Right, right. Um, that, that, that's something I always even, and I'm not castigating the church for that, because that's, that's too easy to do. Yeah. Right? That's, yeah. that's what you do on what, Twitter. What church isn't and, that true of you? you know, that's, uh, even personally, I have to look at myself yeah. and say, okay, I hold these beliefs. This is my doxology. Okay, Francis Schaeffer, how shall I now live based right. on this? Right. Uh, how does this force me to live? Um, but you're right. I think that um, even liberation theology, it's, it's, we're not putting words in anyone's mouth. It's rooted in praxis. Yeah. It's right. rooted in praxis. Yeah. Um, there's certain things about God that can't be true, and it, it starts from praxis. Yeah. So I wonder if some of this is even just theological construction. Yeah. Um, the way we're trained in sort of this formal way to do theology, yeah. and when we get these sort of debates, is that part of what's happening here? Um, I think there's something to that. Yeah, no, I think there is, and I think I think that, you know, that what if we were to go from critical theory to critical race theory, we'd have to say that some of those theological um, 
you know, some of that theological catechesis has remained. I mean, critical race theory is still a subset of that Marxist view. So taken on its theology, taken on its philosophy, as a whole complete system, it is antithetical to the gospel. It doesn't work. It just it can't work because religion itself then becomes a function of social construct. Yes. Same way that gender is now social construct. Everything's social Everything construct. Everything's social construct. The way I'm it's talking right now. Social construct all the way down. All the way down, top yeah, to bottom, right, hair right. to toenails. So if that's the case, Christianity itself can't survive because Christianity just becomes part of the construct. Correct. Right? But the the critical race theory, the way, and I think this is from McKissick's point, is really thoughtful in the sense that, yeah, we can we can reject Marx the same way we have to reject Plato, ultimately. But there, if there's light being shed on social constructs and we finally have a language for saying, hey, this isn't this isn't quite right, something's wrong here. You said this when you've got when you've got incarceration levels at what they are for African-American teens, youth, you have to say something's wrong. Something's not right. Something's not yeah. right. And can you say, and I think this is where the black church, and we're seeing some of this fallout with the SBC among, among even blacks um, uh, and black uh, Baptist churches, you're telling me I'm not allowed to look under that rock. So, mm -hmm. that, so now we finally uncovered a rock. We said, hey, wait a minute, there is something wrong, and we have some language for starting to talk about it. You're, you're telling me I'm not allowed to look under that rock. I have to look under the rock of systematic theology or under this, you know, Republican sort of view of American Republic and, you know, right, rule of right. law or something. Um, and, I, and I think to that point, and, and I, I wanted to say this too, Mark, and I don't mean to ramble here, but I think this is actually what the civil rights movement goes through in the mid-60s. Hmm. Like, I think they were looking under the same rock white society was looking under. They wanted jobs, Martin Luther King Jr.'s pro-Constitution, pro, um, you know, Declaration of Independence, I just want what every American has. 1963, for heaven's sake, is a march for jobs. Yeah, right, right. He's not saying anything other than, we want the same solution you all want for your children, want for ours. And then in 66, when Compton blows up, 66, 67, Luther, uh, King goes to Compton, and he goes, wait a minute, it's not working. The, the, the American framework, and we just wanted more of it, actually we're finding out it's the very thing oppressing people in the north because there's not right. there's not segregation the wares in the south there hasn't been slavery so why is the condition of the black in the north almost worse mm. and he starts asking structural questions and in 67 he gives the speech to you know to his community especially the vietnam speech and the idea being the structure's broken mm -hmm. and so i think king goes through this transformation of the old discourse the rock we were looking under had a lot to offer but there's something else here that wasn't contained and i think where the in my mind where the black church is now is to say we finally got in the language to look under that rock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, and I think, and, and I guess I'll ask you this, is looking under a rock that dangerous? I mean, is it dangerous to actually do that and welcome critical theory in to the back door? Well, two, I've heard two people who come from, or three people now, who come from sort of the reform side of okay. the theological divide. And, and, what they're, and they are people who are saying, okay, CRT could be a tool. Hmm. And the, and the way they're framing it is in the doctrine of common grace. Hmm. The idea that all truth is God's truth. Or Calvinistic, yeah. Exactly. And that, you know, even in our fallen conditions, humans, even unregenerate humans, can still discover truth and hmm. create. And, hmm. you know, it's, it's... And so if there's something there, hmm. even if it's from Karl Marx or Nietzsche, isn't it worth looking under the rock? Hmm. Hmm. And But looking under the rock with very thick, prescriptive, Christianly lenses, <laughs> right? right? Triple um, magnification here. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and that's what Anthony Bradley's trying to say, is, you know, can you chew the bone, chew, the, chew it up, 
eat the meat and spit out the bones. Mm. I mean, I think that's where, and he's saying that that was where he was trying to argue in this. And there, are the, and I think this is where part of the divide is, because mm. there are certain Christians that are going to say categorically no. Yeah, true. Right. It, it is. It is a problem. It is a. It is a failed tool, all the way down. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to have other people say, no, it, it is a tool that we can possibly salvage something out of it, like mm. you just said. Mm. And that could be where we are, mm. right? Interesting, yeah. Uh, the same way people said, well, okay, I'm willing to use the Trump tool right. to, to acquire, get something done, even though it's... Comes with this It message, comes with yeah. a, a rather unchristian, <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, so, and this is, I've been challenging myself, and I don't have an answer for this. Sure. Okay. I think I do. I think I think I. If you if you put a gun to my head right now, I, I would. By the way, there's no guns in here. Yeah. They're putting to anybody's head. So um, we won't do that today. And which is good for any of our Anabaptist <laughs> listeners. Right? So, right. but can we? And I'm using this as a thought experiment. For white evangelicals, abortion—that's an easy one, yeah. right? We yeah. will yeah. do whatever to get rid of abortion, right? That's yeah. what you hear. We will do whatever we can. We voted for Trump for this. All right. Yeah. The question then is, is abortion an individual problem, hmm. is it a systemic problem, hmm. or is it a combination? Hmm. And I think it's a healthy thought experiment, yeah. because if you can start to understand abortion, a topic you have no problem right. getting at. You know, what if there was a Marxist theory that said the only reason people want abortions is they want to reduce the labor pool, <laughs> something like that, right? right. Something or, or or something, uh, which is very you know that's not very capitalist. You want no, more, yeah, yeah. right? But but the point is, would you use a Marxist idea if it helped you defeat yeah. what you see as a as a heinous evil? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of the question I've been ruminating over, and I don't have an answer. Well, no, and that that's that's really that's helpful. I, I like that because I think, as I've as I've interacted on this issue, um, even even whites that don't understand the concept to say that structural racism, if you take the ism out of the term and you say, society structured such that certain people have an easier time succeeding other than others, and you just deal with it at that level, people say, oh, I I can see that, it makes sense to me, and then you say, okay, this is structural racism immediately the, the pushback and clog back comes. And if I, were, if I were to have to say, and there's no gun to my head, and I'm not sure that this is quite right, it's me processing it also, is the idea that for a lot of people, structural things sound very objective. Yeah. It sounds like, okay, the system is bent and biased, and, and we can all accept that that happens because it's human society. But as soon as the ism is put on the end now, it's a personal failure, and it's moral, and you did this on purpose, and somebody did this on purpose. There's a nefarious genius going back there, and I'm going to develop, you know, um, I don't know, applications for jobs to make sure blacks don't get them. Right. Um, it, and I think it, then it becomes confused for people who want to say, yeah, there is a problem, but now they don't know how to deal with it because now it's become my personal responsibility that this has happened when I would never intend any such thing, or maybe some people would. So I, I, and I think so what you've done there is I think it allows us to say, is there actual a, a construct in society, let's say the way entertainment works, the way that independent women are valued because they can go out and get jobs and are not having children. Um, are, are the, the jobs that are for women now require you to be at work more often so you can't have kids. So there's a construct here that makes abortion much easier to get along with. You've got colleges that recommend it, actually giving kids tests in school and mm -hmm. saying, we won't tell your parents. You could well imagine that there is a construct, a bias into our American system that makes abortion so much easier to do. Where years ago, 
and I think he said four, it was flipped to get you an abortion. Would, you would send your daughter away to live with relatives if she got pregnant. Yeah. And bring her back after they had the child and said it was a cousin. Right, right. You would morally lie. That's right. Whatever okay. you had to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So having abortion there, the system is structured in such a way that it's very unlikely that you'll get one. Where now the system is structured such that you're prized for it. In fact, you're praised for it. In fact, you can, you can go on the air and talk about, I, here's how wonderful my abortion was. And yeah. you get patted yeah. on the back for it. So I think so. You're, you're, I think what you've done there has allowed us to say we can conceive of structure and system as being biased or bent in such a way that maybe there's something we can do to fix that without becoming the ism part of it that well, I think and, makes and it I so think, I don't murky. think we would have problems with, say, focus on the family, um, saying that the culture is certainly bent towards certain ideas of the sexual revolution, which make right. abortion far more palatable. Right, right. I, I don't think I'm putting any words in their mouth <laughs> on that. I have to fight for that right? one, yeah. I, I think that's just what they taught us growing up. Right, in, in, right. So there's a case, right. right? There's a case where there's stuff in there and even though, I mean, in some cases, you, you, you have people most preaching the gospel of abortion. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you, in the public, in the broader public square, right. uh, where I think today the, the, the overt racism is, uh, it's, it's, it's harder to find. Yeah. Um, it, it's more underground, right. right? It's more, I'm sure if we spent time in chat rooms, we would find it. Right? <laughs> uh, but today, the, the way the system is bent, if you are out saying things like the n-word or anything like that you're done you're canceled yeah. you're out yeah. um so you have it has to go underground if, if it's going to exist or it could just be something that's in your subconscious which is one of the arguments of the crt movement. exactly yeah. exactly that it's it's the knee-jerk reaction to pull your purse closer when an african-american man walks past mm. you that's not mm. overt racism in the sense that that the lady with the purse just called him the n-word yeah Right. But there's something, some catechesis has happened to that lady. Yeah, right. And he can pick up on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that I think, is... is So that that's sort of a thought experiment I've been toying yeah, with. Yeah, I like it. It's helpful. To, to, to see, can I... And maybe it doesn't work. Maybe they're two very different... Well, operations. metaphors don't work all the time. But it, no. does, it does disarm it in a way and allow you to talk about it. Because, you know, I think we... You know, we're now we're moving past just historical analysis. But I think we have to realize that the... And I'm, I'm unabashed in saying this. The actual critical theory framework does not, cannot work with the gospel. Just right, cannot right, work right, with Christianity. Right, it is right. another gospel. It's a social, it's a social um, redemption, social soteriology. Um, it's Charles Taylor, imminent, imminent eschatology, yep, you know. That, yep. and, it, and it can't work ultimately with the Christian gospel at all. At the same time, is the pain and the suffering of African Americans, which can be found in statistics. There, yep, there are statistics yep, yep. there. Can that can that actually say to us that something is bent in the system? And yeah. I think McKissick's point is really sharp. If can we allow the Marxist part be left back, but at least part of those theories? And I, and I wonder, Mark, now that you've said it that way, um, whether or not we go back and look at the early church, Tertullian origin debates about whether philosophy is useful. Absolutely. Is that do we actually study that with an eye to say, yeah, let's see how that worked for them? Because quite frankly, Neoplatonism which came in the church was really harmful. Yes. But, but in the other regard, it actually allowed Augustine to come to Christ. Yeah. Because he came through a, 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 this sort of Neoplatonic view, which helped him finally frame what the incarnation was all about. And I would say, I would say the same of Athanasius. So you got some interesting case studies there for this. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a great point he made. Yeah, it's really great. At least it caused me to get yeah, back on my heels it, a little bit right. and, and reframe this. Right. And so I, I think that 
that that is something that we do need to process this out um, and and not be quick to respond. I think that's part of the problem yeah. is that we're yeah. quick to respond. Social media has a way of making oh boy. that right. You, yeah. you you have to respond. You you it, there's no time to say you can't put your tweet saying uh, critical race theory processing. See you in a couple weeks. <laughs> right. right? You're not going to get a lot of likes for that. One, right. right. You, you got to say something provocative to, right. to get the likes. Right. Right. Uh, so I, I think that 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 and we're beating up social media a lot. I get that, but I think it's an easy target. I think the medium where, where we're having our conversations on these topics is as much pro, is as problematic right. as the conversations right. because right. what we've just been spending doing is we're doing a lot of nuancing here. Yeah, and nuance social media is where nuance goes to die. It does. That's right. And, and it, it's the nuanced just, graveyard. It is. Yeah. It is. It doesn't work. And our media doesn't work. We don't have the... I mean, I say to our students all the time, like, you watch a presidential debate. It's it's an hour. Right. right. And it's, you know, you can get some... Imagine the Lincoln Douglas oh case, so eight hours. Yeah, 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 you right. can really unpack some stuff in eight hours. <laughs> right? You're right? asleep for half of it. Well, what you're awake for? I don't know. I think, I think they're yeah, actually... The, I've read those debates. They're, they're pretty, pretty electric. Kind of, yeah, they're yeah. pretty electric. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of barbs going back right, and forth right. if you know the background. So, right. uh, so anyway, so I think, I think this has been helpful. It's been helpful for me. Uh, I hope it's helpful for the listeners. Again, we're not done with this. Um, yeah, we yeah. need to... And please, if you're hearing this, don't think we're trying to pick on one side or yeah. pick on... We're really trying to understand this, and we're really trying to say... And this is where I think I am, is my African-American brothers and sisters are hurting. Yeah. How do we hear that? That's right. Forget everything else. Yeah. Put everything else aside, right? You know, my African mother, brothers and sisters are torn apart. By where we are today in our culture, I got to hear that. I got to hear that. No, that, that's that's so right. I think what a friend of mine, John Churchill, who teaches here, says he always uses family as a real, as a metaphor and says, you know, if you've got a a sister or brother's hurting, and they say something angrily, maybe they jump out at you rather quickly in the debate. You know, the dumb thing to do is to fight back. Or sometimes you have to hear the emotion. That doesn't mean there isn't good ideas behind it. You have to hear the pain and deal with that first and try to understand it before. And you may come to the same conclusion at the end. You may come yes. to the end and go, no, I still can't accept. I still think this is too tainted by CRT to, to really listen to it and understand it, and that may be the fact. But it, but the point is, in order to understand that, one has to begin with listening to the pain to hear. And I, and I, I want to say this to, to listeners, and I've interacted here, and the people I've talked to who have been hurt by things, African-American brothers and sisters who I love, have told me, I'm not trying to change your mind on this. I'm not yeah. trying to tell you what to think. I want you just to hear what you may not understand yeah. from what I've gone through. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. to me, that's been the most impactful because I think the people I've talked to that have challenged me the most actually haven't changed my mind on some of my fundamental beliefs about things like CRT and the church or something or theology. But they've made me think about, am I actually loving my brothers and sisters well? Right. And I'm not if I'm, if I'm reducing all these problems down to my theological categories. I haven't changed those, yeah. but I can't be reductionistic to say... Unless you put your pain in terms that match my theological constructs, I I'm, can't hear you. I can't hear it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not willing to listen. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't be married very long if we did that, right? <laughs> That's right. And, and, and this was this has been helpful to me. One of our colleagues, your African American brother, that we work, have worked with on committees uh, on diversity and having these conversations, said something to us that was very helpful. Yeah. Is that what what white brothers and sisters need to hear is much 
of the conversation that African Americans are bringing to the table comes from decades, centuries of pain and trauma. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and even even um, the author of the book Cast, hmm. uh, uh, Wilkerson, has said that that even the word racism today, she she kind of almost uh, mirrored uh, what what our colleague said hmm. that the word racism today is such a powerful word. It's filled with so much hurt, mm. anger, trauma, fear, fear that it, 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 it's so packed with this stuff, it's almost not helpful anymore. Mm. Which is why her new book is entitled Cast. Mm. She's trying to say, should we rather be, instead of talking about you're a racist, this is racism, race, 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 Rather, what we have constructed in America is a caste system mm. of sorts. Mm. And, and, and because race is so fluid, as Christians, we can't say, well, there is no such thing as social constructs. That's right, yeah. It, no, it, it is there. It, there. it is there. there. We do have socially constructed things. We get that. That's right. Uh, that makes sense just even in our doctrine of salvation. Yeah. Right? That, that yeah. makes sense. Uh, but I think the other piece, too, is... is some of these movements, I think that maybe one of the difference between, say, political left, political right. Political left, historically, has been more utopian. Mm. To the point where we can get this fixed. Yeah. We yeah, can solve right. this problem, right? The war on poverty, <laughs> right? That we've talked about that before. Right. It, 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 it's more utopian. Yeah. And, 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 and even critical race theory can sound almost utopian. Yeah. Marx certainly had an eschatology. Oh, no kidding. Right? Yeah. CRT has an eschatology. But I think sometimes for Christians, they take this over this idea that, well, we can't solve sin on this side anyway, so let's just not deal with it. Right. And, and, and we've right. talked about this before. There's a Christian realism here where, yes, as a Christian, we do realize we are dealing with fallen people. It's fallen all the way down. That's right. right? right. And we have regenerated fallen people in the church, but it's still fallen people. And therefore, Reinhold Niebuhr talks about this. Augustine talks about what we call Christian realism. But that's Bonifer, not an excuse to throw up your hands and say, I'm sorry, black brothers and sisters, we can't solve this. Yeah, this is sin. This is just way This is sin. Be. This is how it is. Right. Suck it up until the until the second coming, right. Right. right? And on the other hand, I think you can go too far the other way and think this is all we're going to get this solved, right? Right. And it's somewhere in that, you know, already not yet mm. eschatology. I think mm. that we live in, uh, and it's the tension. So I'm I looking forward yeah. to having more conversations yeah. with our brothers and sisters about this, um, and help you help our listeners and the community kind of just wrestle with this and process yeah. in in healthy space yeah. versus the unhealthy places I think some of this is happening so Dr. Spanger thank you this yeah thank you Dr. Paper this is really helpful